Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Wow. Well, there's a video. That new guy at the end, Pastor Josh, you might have been able to guess this. That's our brand new youth pastor. So Pastor Josh and Kim Kim Trifonoff are with us, and uh, he's already been dismissed. They're up there with the youth. So if you see them... Uh, sign up, please, because otherwise that's what we're going to have for help. You know, I don't think he understands. He played college football at Concordia in St. Paul, and I'm not sure if he thought those were football pads or if something got knocked loose when he was playing. I'm not really sure, but uh, thanks so much for all your help. Make sure if you see him, welcome him. If you see him around town, let him know you already come to celebration. He's been inviting everybody. He sees us last week. He's like, oh, I invited somebody from Lifetime. I was like, they already go here. No, I'm just kidding. But let him know you're already part of the church. Otherwise, he'll invite you as well. And so that's a great thing. I want to say thanks also to uh, everybody who's been helping with the lobby remodel already going on. There's just a couple of people going to stay this afternoon and do a little cleanup because so much has already been happening. You saw in the video, uh, one of the trades guys, the electrician that was the one looking at Pastor Josiah like he was kind of, or Josh, like he was crazy. And because um, he is. And uh, anyway, thanks to Aquarius for that. But anyway, uh, more of the professionals are coming back in this week. So just a little bit of cleaning and we are moving right along. So thanks for your help. And uh, we look forward to that. Welcome to those watching and worshiping uh, online with us. My name is Derek and um, we're beginning a brand new series that we've titled Spirit and Power. Now I have a lot to get to today. Monday was Pastor Josh's first day with us in the office. And as we were going through sermon prep and working through things, he raised his hand in the middle of it and he said, are we working on one message or four? And everybody chuckled because they knew what that meant. I do have four messages, but I'm preaching it in one today. And so uh, we'll be out before somebody. I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's going to be great. Uh, I just want to make a few mentions. I'm going to get to Deuteronomy chapter 6 eventually. Uh, That is our theme text uh, for today. And so uh, I'll get there eventually. But just want to mention it's kind of a new year, even though I've been here all year. You came on Wednesday night and uh, different things. But at the beginning of the year, I always like to just mention to you my personal devotions, my wife and I's for the year. You know, in the in years past, we've done things like last year I read the whole Bible in the month of January, and I'm not doing that this year. Uh, uh, thank you, Martha, for in, appreciating. Oh, that, I look, Diane, sorry, I didn't even look behind me. Thank, I should have seen the bright colors on the front row. Uh, anyway, and... Uh, uh, the year before, read a book uh, written by a missionary, and so just different things. So this year, my wife and I are reading together something called the Bible Recap. So we're reading the Bible chronologically, which means we're in Job right now, because that's the oldest account. And um, then it's got a, a daily podcast where a lady explains uh, kind of her take on things. And so we're reading that together and uh, enjoying that. So if you're wondering what's the best translation for you to read this year, it's whichever one you'll read. 
this year. So pick one that you can understand. Uh, if you have a smartphone, the Version Bible app is great. I like reading things in print, but uh, it's a great way to get those tools and they'll help you. Um, I'm also, we also picked it as the Lord had impressed on my heart this year. Uh, I'm so excited. Last year, we had a number of our international leaders from the Assemblies of God around the world be with us. This year, I've asked some of my closest friends who happen to be uh, female pastors to come and preach at our church. And so uh, I want to do my best to amplify their voices this year. So this uh, devotional that I'm reading through this year is also then uh, podcasted by a woman. And so I'm grateful for their contributions to the church at large and to our church this year. Can I get a good amen? All right. Well, uh, that's what we're doing. Also, just wanted to make mention, if you didn't know what to read, hopefully you got a devotional. You can read those. We're also posting those online every day. Your kids have one as well. So that's a great thing. There's something special that happens when we are reading together. Also, just want to mention, I had some questions in the lobby today. Well, pastor, can I still start the fast? I haven't been doing it before. The answer is yes, you can start. And the good news is you don't have to make up the days that you missed. You just start today. Okay. And that's the same thing with Bible reading. Wherever you are, just start today. Don't feel pressure, condemnation, guilt. That's all from the enemy. Uh, God's pleased with whatever decision you make for him today and what you make going forward. Had somebody else say, well, pastor, I got hungry. I ate a salad. Now I feel so guilty. I said, well, you're not alone. Other people are eating too. So that's okay. But uh, just make a plan uh, and um, maybe go liquid for one meal a day, two meals a day, a couple days a week. I don't know what it is, but just pick something between you and the Lord and just know that guilt is from the enemy. Uh, and so just do your best, whatever it is today. And uh, don't focus on what you're giving up, by the way. That's another thing. I talked to some people and they're spending so much time talking and thinking about what they're giving up that I don't think they're giving any time to the things that they should be picking up from the Lord. <laughs> Amen. By the way, this is going to sound weird from a pastor during prayer and fasting. I would actually rather you eat normal quickly and spend time prayer and reading the word than taking three hours a day trying to figure out how to magic system a menu that fits a diet plan and you don't meet with God. All right? So we're not doing this to like prove to God that we're serious, right? This was an explanation. We're not, you know, cutting ourselves metaphorically here today to prove to God we're serious about this thing with him. The point of fasting is twofold, to, to tell our physical man, our hunger appetite, that we're not always subject to your desires. Sometimes we are though, can I get a good amen, right? But we're not always subject to those desires that there's a greater hunger in our life and it's for the things of God. But the second fold is it's practical. It ought to give us time to meet with him. Therefore, if you're spending more time to try to do backflips on a menu, I don't think you're doing it right. So do something, do it quickly. That's what Jesus told Judas, right? What you must do, do quickly. So that you can pray and read the word. Because the point of these days and the point of these times with noon prayer in the chapel and midweek prayer gathering, the point is to meet with God. It's not necessarily to lose weight. That's a cool byproduct. Somebody has said, right, a diet will change the way you look but fasting will change the way that you see. We're not just trying to change our physical bodies in these times. That's a blessed addition 
by subtraction, but, but we're trying to become more like him when that requires spending time with him. So don't focus on the wrong things, what you're giving up or ways that you can't. Focus on him. Enjoy time in his presence and allow him to speak to you. Can I get a good amen? All right. Well, just so that I know, we had a lot of new people coming in this year. How many of you, this is your first time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. You've been new over the last year. This is your first time with us beginning of the year. Sure, hands. A lot of people in the first service, people online. All right. So those are good tips, tricks, recommendations for you. We really look forward to these times. Um, I also want to mention, if you're a guest or newer, um, in these times, I do my best to preach as prophetically as I can. And that's not magical or mystical, but, but it is a result uh, of spending more time with him and asking him what he would give to me in these first three weeks for the rest of our year. Now, I'll mention in these times, I will sound a little bit more harsh, but I mean it with a heart full of joy, okay? So I, I want to say this as smiling as I can. I'm not mad. I'm not angry this morning. I'm not even hangry, praise the Lord. Uh, but, but there is uh, a few less jokes today. There are a few less uh, heartfelt stories. And, and so just know if there's a harsher tone, it's really just a seriousness of my spirit. It is not an anger or frustration with you or anything going on, okay? So I love you. Say my pastor loves me, all right? So just remind yourself of that because I'm still in the intro. It's going to get a little bit more intense as we go here today with the word that I feel like the Lord has given to me. In the first week of December, uh, as I was preaching through Luke chapter 1, we came across this verse, Luke chapter 1 and verse 27. Four messages, one day. That's why I got to say it fast. And the Bible said this, he'll go on before the Lord. This was about John the Baptist. In the spirit and power of Elijah. That's why we've titled the theme this month, Spirit and Power to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Yeah. Now, in those days, the people of Israel, the people of God, that nation was in need of restoration. They were, many were worshiping Baal, things were uh, awry, and, and I won't preach my closing message as we close this month, January 29th, I'll preach from 1 Kings chapter 18, but, but some of you may be wondering, well, what's the big deal about the spirit and power of Elijah? Well, if we're gonna theme it for the month, well, I should explain just a little bit for historical context, setting the stage for this month. Elijah lived in the time of King Ahab and Jezebel not good people. Now, King Ahab, not surprisingly, by virtue of his office, operated with political power. And Jezebel manipulated through persuasive perversion. Can anyone guess why I feel like it's a relevant word for our day in which we live? <laughs> people in our nation are consumed with political power. Their candidate, their party, we, can we get control of? People are consumed with political power. And they are constrained in persuasive perversion. Have you noticed that the perversion of our day is not blatant, but it is persuasive? There's never been a commercial. Click on this ad and ruin your marriage. Why? Because the way of the enemy, Jezebel working behind the scenes, it's persuasive, but it's always per perverted. We live in a time where I believe our nation, like Israel, 
America was not written about in 1 Kings 18, but there are characteristics. There are similarities. We live in a time where our nation needs a spiritual showdown like in the days of Elijah. The Bible says that Elijah gathered everybody to repair the things of the Lord that had been torn down. And I know when we look around, and even when I say those kind of things, it may be easy for us to think about spiritual things of the Lord that were torn down in school systems and things that were torn down in elected government houses. But could I submit to you today that I believe there are things of God that have been torn down even in the houses of God? That if we call all the people together, we've got to rebuild the things of God, not the things of man, not the plans. This is why prayer is so important, church. It's not just that we're trying to find out what to do, but it's important that we make sure we do it only in him. And Elijah called the people together and said, the God who shows off by fire, he is God. And I believe our nation needs a spiritual showdown once again. Now, we're not calling the news cameras together. We're not building together this wooden sacrifice and making a trench and drenching it with water, even on January 29th. But I believe our nation needs a defining moment spiritually where we decide who the real God is. We live in a time where people have been told the government is their God. We live in a time where people have been told their hero is their God. We live in a time where people have been told they're their own God. And it's time to repair the things of God so that God can show off, can demonstrate in fire. So my personal prayer mandates that I believe I received for this year right there out of Luke chapter one. And by virtue of my office as your pastor, they've become our prayer mandates for this year are threefold. You can write them down, but I'm gonna preach a sermon each of the next three weeks on these three so that that we'll bring you along. Number one was restoration of the family. We see that there. It says to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. How many people know we live in a time that needs restoration of the family? I'm going to preach a whole message. So even if you're not sure of it yet, I pray before you leave today, you become convinced. (laughs) Number two, right there out of Luke chapter one. Again, I'm going to get to Deuteronomy six in a minute. It's going to be awesome. But number two, revelation for the foolish. He said the disobedient would turn to the wisdom of the righteous. I'm going to talk about this next week, but the Bible says that, that there is a way that seems right in the man, but in the end, it leads to death. And people who are on that way need revelation. I was just looking again. I'll talk about it next week. Latest study is that there are now 72 recognized genders besides male and female. We need revelation for the foolish. This isn't even so much about what a preacher can say, what a Christian can declare. We need the spirit of God to bring people back to their senses. So we're going to be talking about that next week, Revelation for the Foolish. And then the third, lest you think it's just about everybody else, I'm going to talk about us. We need preparation of the church. Yeah, Matthew chapter 25, Bible says that there was five wise and five foolish virgins. They all looked the part, but when it came time, five didn't have the oil. There were five that were unprepared for the return of the bridegroom. And what does the Bible say? Jesus is going to return for a church that was without spot or wrinkle. 
Could I tell you that our churches in our nation have way too many spots and way too many wrinkles? <laughs> Amen. So that's in two more weeks. So come on out for that. If you think I'm excited this morning, wait till we get there. All right. Deuteronomy chapter six. If you're ready, say, bring it on. <laughs> All right. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. If you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning? We're going to read God's word. Deuteronomy chapter six. And uh, I'm going to pray that the spirit would give us ears to hear. What are you saying today? The Bible reads like this. These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you. That's what I'm trying to do today. To observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. By the way, I believe that many of us are going to cross into some things this year that he's promised to us in advance, but we have yet to occupy them. And I'm praying this year that this would be a year where we cross over and we possess those things that God has promised to us. Can I get a good amen. Seven people can cross over with me. The rest of you next year will be your year, I guess. Amen. So that this is important. You got to know why. This is not just name and claim it, get a blessing, live life on easy street. You got to know the why so that your children and their children after them. Notice what God wants for you should never stay with you. I'm not even preaching yet, and that's good teaching. I almost said preaching, but I can't say I'm not preaching. I say preaching. Okay, anyway. So that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. What's another benefit? So that you may enjoy long life. Verse three, hear Israel and be careful to obey. This is missing in many of our pulpits in our land today. I, I would not do you justice or I would do you a disservice if I failed to tell you you've got to be careful to obey so that it will go well with you and that you may increase greatly. We're going to close with that. In the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you going to preach this morning that a message that I've titled restoration of the family. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask now, Holy Spirit, would you reveal the person of Jesus to us? Give us ears to hear what you're saying. May we all leave challenged and changed. We ask it in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The family, we're talking about the family here today. The family has always been God's idea. In the garden, the Bible says that God created man and it was good, but then he looked and he said it was not good for man to be alone. What do we know? Family, relationships, to know and to be known was always God's idea. Now, it has not always worked out according to his plan, but putting people together has always been God's design for humanity. The psalmist recognized this gift of God when he promised us that the Lord would put lonely in families. Now, I understand in, in a room of this size and people watching online, we, we've got a wide variety of people with different family experiences. If you grew up in a house like mine, I can talk about family and God putting people in families and you can be excited because I had a great dad and mom and a sister. She was pretty good. And uh, <laughs> just realized I needed a qualifier for that one, you know, but uh, 
But maybe you, you didn't have a family growing up or maybe your family was terrible and you're like, I don't really know if I wanna be part of a family, but I'm telling you friends, even though mankind has disrupted God's plan, family has always been in the plan of God. What do we see? What do we need? What do we recognize? When we see in Deuteronomy chapter six, the way that it's gonna go well with us, the way that we're gonna see a multiplication of blessing, the way that we're gonna walk into everything that God has for us, it happens in the context of family. You've gotta teach one another. You gotta teach children and the children after them. So what are some things that I believe are missing in our families today? that we need to see restored. Number one, we need relational instruction. We need relational instruction. Family really is community. The people you should spend the most time with, the people that you grow up with, the people that you grow together with. But I've noticed something in the day in which we live that is deeply problematic because nobody can tell anybody anything anymore. If you say something that I didn't like, I say, well, you hurt my feelings or I'm offended or that triggered me or whatever phrase you want to fill in and I get hurt, I take my time, myself, my relationship, my being, and I look elsewhere and I look for somebody who looks more like me, sounds more like me, thinks more like me and agrees more with me. And that's the person that I will now say is my family or my community. But the sad reality, friends, is family should not just tell you what you want to hear. Family should tell you what you need to hear. But we live in a time where we mute or we silence or we block the very voices that are telling us the things that we need the most. This happens in our churches. Well, well, I didn't like what the pastor says, so I'm going to find somebody else. This is what the Bible describes as people with itching ears. And with the advent of technology, it doesn't take you very many Google searches to find somebody who will stand behind some kind of desk on some kind of platform with some kind of microphone and tell you you're just fine the way you are. We say things like, my parents just don't get me. We say things like, my kids don't understand. We, we, we label, we decide, and we cut off all relational instruction. In my life, my marriage, the spouse that God has allowed me be, to be connected with, it's been the most instructing relationship of my life for the last two decades. Now, thank the Lord, I'm still under construction. I'm not done yet. But praise the Lord, I'm not where I used to be. <laughs> if you think I'm mean now, wait until you met me 20 years ago. <laughs> Dana has made me better. <laughs> but it's taken relational instruction, family, commitment. Helps you grow from selfishness to selflessness. When I was single, I could do whatever I wanted. And when I was married, I tried it. And it did not work out. My wife reminded me just this last week of a phrase she used often in the first year of our marriage. You can win, but you're going to lose. 
I'll teach more on that another week. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> Come to the marriage night. I'll explain to you what that means. <laughs> but, but there's something about a commitment where she could say things and tell me what I needed to hear. Because there's a lot of relationships in my life that are filled with people who will tell me what I want to hear or what they think I want to hear. But it takes somebody who loves you and is committed to you to say there's broccoli in your teeth. And just so we're clear, that's an example of something greater. Because <laughs> we got a lot of people who are living with broccoli in their teeth and nobody will love them enough to tell them. And perhaps it's because we've chosen to eliminate anyone from our life, anyone from our relational sphere that tells us so. Because through technology, we, we've shortcutted, we've traded away real human interaction for social media clicking. Because we can always find somebody else. We, we can curate. We did it again this week. We saw an ad showed up on a social media timeline of something my wife and I were talking about. The algorithm controls our lives. And we've lost the ability to sit down with one another. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 27 and 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. My dad loves to share this verse when he travels around and says people in church love to quote it, but, but we often fail to realize what it means practically. He says, what does it mean practically? Sparks fly. Yeah, come on. Yesterday, when I was here, uh, during the remodel, I was working, finishing up this message, and I was going down, I was using the power tool that they gave me permission, my cell phone camera. And he was like, Pastor, take a step back. You know, like, <laughs> they put people out there. That, that was where the pastor can stand. Stand behind the wall, real people working. Okay, so he was using some cutter and it was cutting metal to take this thing down. And it was, I was taking pictures, okay? But there was sparks flying. That's what happens when you're cutting metal. Sparks fly. There was no way to avoid sparks flying to get done what needed to be done. Can you imagine if that was a relationship? The moment sparks fly, the one piece would, oh, don't do that, don't touch me, leave me alone. And we would not have gotten accomplished what needed to be accomplished. When they were using the jackhammer on the concrete steps, there was stuff flying. One hit me in the face. I said, come on, I'm working. I use zoom on the camera, you know. That's what progress looks like. But we've reduced real relationships to only neat, clean, tidy, make me feel good, make it look good. But the truth is, all of us at times will go through heated fellowship. When I used to do premarital counseling, before we had premarital classes, and we could do it as a group, I used to ask them, tell me about the last fight you've been in. I never trusted couples that were like, we haven't fought yet. I'm like, liars. And even if you're telling the truth, then your marriage is in trouble because you're lying to yourselves. Be honest. If you're honest, you're going to have heated fellowship. 
I don't want you to fight in your marriage, but there should be some times of heated discussion. (laughs) And we've lost the ability to say, because I love you, I'm going to say this and mean it. And for you to say, because I know you love me, I'll hear it and receive it. This is what Pope John Paul II said. He said it this way. And it is everyone's experience that healthy relationships in marriage and the family are of the greatest importance in the development and well-being of the human person. The economic, social, and cultural transformations taking place in our world are having an enormous effect on how people look upon marriage and the family. And as a result, many couples are unsure of the meaning of their relationship. And this causes them much turmoil and suffering. But on the other hand, many couples are stronger because having overcome modern pressures, they exercise more fully that special love and responsibility of the marriage covenant which make them see children as God's special gift to them and to society. And here's the famous line. And as the family goes, so goes the nation. And so goes the world in which we live. He went on to say, with regard to the family, society urgently needs to recover an awareness of the primacy of moral values, which are the values of the human person as such, thus recapturing the ultimate meaning of life and its fundamental values. We must recapture. Another way to say it, I believe, biblically, is we need to return to mutually submitting to one another. Instead of fighting for our own way and doing what it is. Look at this. Again, I'm not fully critiquing our culture, but it seems like we spend a lot of time and money on how to get married, but very little at all on how to be married. We spend a lot of time about find your bestie, but then we don't tell you how to be right? This is a problem that we see. And I think it's because we fail to realize that loving and listening go hand in hand for all of our relationships. But I think especially within the bond of marriage, if I love my wife, then I will listen to her. And if I listen to her, then eventually I cannot help but love her. Why? Uh, I wonder how many conflicts would dissipate if we would truly listen to the heart cries of others instead of assuming things and deciding the outcome long before we've even heard from them. We need relational instruction. Number two, as time is drifting already, we need generational interaction. We need generational interaction. It seems as though we've drifted away from grandma as we've been drawn to Google or Siri, or whatever other kind of search engine the kids are using these days. (laughs) Before Google, we needed to call our grandparents for advice on how to do things. And we learned how to take care of a newborn by asking our parents. But now we turn to Google or YouTube and we just figure it out for ourselves. But here's the problem, friends. Figuring it out for ourselves has always ended in tragedy throughout our history. This is why we repeat atrocities throughout history because one generation decides they've learned, they felt, they do, 
And really, by and large, they copied the mistakes of the past when we disconnect one generation from the next. This is why these horrible situations repeat themselves. Why? Because we have more information, but obviously we have less wisdom. We know more, but we understand less. Why? Because we, we've disconnected information from one generation to another. We've lost the power of connecting one generation and teaching another. We see this in the home when it comes to parenting or grandparenting or primary caregiving, aunting, uncling, whatever the reality is in your situation. I know we all have different ones, but when I was growing up, now that I'm over 40, I like to tell when I was growing up stories. <laughs> when I was growing up, because I said so was an acceptable response or reason for me to believe my dad. Why? Because he was honorable and trustworthy. Why? He cared for us and he took care of his family. He was a good man and his word was to be believed. But now, instead of trusting fathers, we question them. And I don't mean this exclusively for dads. I mean in all forms of authority these days, teachers, coaches, and you fill in the blank. We used to trust them and we used to learn from them, but now it seems like we're constantly questioning them. Now I get it, because it's 2023, let me just admit again publicly, some of them are messed up. Right? Some of them have done bad things. <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that we're missing something significant if we only interact with our immediate friends. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 145 and verse four, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. This is why we're so committed as a church or being a church for every generation, not just the next generation, not just the previous generation, not just old songs, not just new songs, not just adults, not just kids, but some of the leaders that made the biggest impact on my life as a kid in church were older and not cool but they were godly and they taught me how to pray. But this also goes, bo goes both ways. It's not just parents and grandparents instructing the kids. Let me say it clearly, parents, you should listen to your kids. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're not saying. We should never be done learning so we can learn something from them. Why? They're humans that God has entrusted to your care for a couple decades or so. Your kid doesn't know everything. By the way, I think it's important for adults to let them know that. But they do know something. And it's important our family will be better, our society will be better if we treat them with enough respect to listen and learn from them as well. But let me say this goes beyond uh, academics. This goes beyond learning their new way of math because I don't understand it. I was good at math in school and now I'm like, YouTube it, baby. I, I can't help it. You know, I know it goes against my first point, but I'm just saying I cannot help with the new math. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. When I was in school, they told me you'll never have a calculator with you. I was like, let me tell you about the iPhone. Okay. Anyway, but this includes spiritual things. 
right? Jesus said we need to believe like little children. So let me ask you, do you still believe that anything is possible like when you were a child? Why not trust God again and believe that he can do anything today? All right, number three. So I, I got to move toward a close and, and have the team come in a little bit. Not yet. I still got, just wait. I'm just trying. Number three, we need spiritual inspiration. This is missing in many homes in our land today. We need spiritual inspiration. Now, this might surprise you to hear from your pastor. It may be a shocking thing, and I may repeat it for the sake of emphasis. But the church should not be the primary inspiration for your spiritual life and for your family. The church should be a partner with you in the spiritual inspiration of your home. I'm thankful we got a great kids ministry. I'm thankful we got a great youth ministry. I'm thankful we got seniors ministry. And I'm thankful it's now called 50 plus, but I'm 40, so I don't know what to do from 40 to 50. But anyway... I'm thankful for all the ministries of the church and gatherings and all those kind of things. But we really should not wait for the church service, the gathering of the saints to be the catalyst for spiritual inspiration in your home. Why? What happens at church should instead be an overflow of what's already taken place in your home throughout the week. If we're doing this thing properly, my kids learn how to pray every day from my wife and I in our home. And they learn from Pastor Ryan twice a week. If you do the math, if you came to every Sunday, which none of you do, if you came to every Wednesday, which none of us do, right? Like we're not even, but that's only like a hundred times a year. If you came two hours at a time, 200 hours on the year. Think about it this way. You can remember probably like Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, your birthday, July 4th. You know, you can remember special meals, but if all you eat were special meals, you're gonna be malnutritioned, malnourished due to malnutrition. I'm not, I'm not, anyway, you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. I'm a preacher, not a health, whatever. Um, so let me say it this way. If the only time you open your Bible is when the pastor says, let's open together, you're going to be spiritually malnourished. Like we'll try to provide tools for you. We'll try to help you. There should be an excitement and an energy. You know, I agree with the Bible. It says it's good when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I get all those things, but it cannot, hear me friends, it cannot. Maybe the reason we're in the shape we're in as a nation is because when we limit inspiration to when the band plays a good song or the pastor has a good sermon, then we'll get inspired. We need men and women who will lead the spiritual inspiration of their homes on a daily basis. This is what Paul said to Romans. Now the band can work on coming out. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow. What are you going to overflow with? You're going to overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, what are you overflowing with? Your family knows. Some over these last three years been overflowing with fear and your family knows. Your social media followers, they know what you're overflowing with. 
What are you overflowing with? You and I have a choice. It's a new year. I, I love the new year. It's been opportunity, cleaning out things at home and making new decisions. I, I fall into that trap just like everybody else. But it doesn't have to just be like hype and hyperbole, new year, new me. But, but it is opportunity for us to say, you know what? It is a new year. I'm going to just start over. I'm going to make a decision that this is how I'm going to live this year. Not based upon my circumstances because the truth is some stuff's going to go wrong this year too. I wish I had a prophetic word for you that said everything was going to be awesome. Probably won't. Because the days are going to get darker and darker until he returns. So like if you've read the word, you know the next few steps are not exactly exciting and encouraging. <laughs> but in the end, he'll come back for that church that's without spot or wrinkle as the, the gospel's preached to every nation. So I'm just saying it's an opportunity for us in this new year to say, you know what? I'm gonna do something. So, so why are these moments important? Why are these 21 days of prayer and fasting? Why are these times of prayer gathering? Because there's something that happens when we all get together. Elijah called all the people together. There's just something that happens. I, I was sitting there and it was snowing and it was crazy last week. And at least I found out it was kind of historic. It was the third most snow ever by January 4th. I was like, if it's gonna be a lot of snow, give me a record <laughs> for most in my time here, you know? And, and I was like, I, I don't wanna cancel prayer gathering on Wednesday night. We'll just make it available for who can come. And if snow's bad where you are, or plows didn't get there, that's fine. But, but there's just something about getting together. Maybe you can't get together at the church. Can you get together in your home? Can you get a couple people that love the Lord? Can you call a friend? Get, there's technology. I'm not saying Zoom's bad. It's better than nothing, but we got to get together with some other people. Elijah knew in this spiritual showdown, it was important to get people together. Listen, I, I'm not a guilt-based preacher, but let me just tell you why I think it's important for you to make church participation. That's more than church attendance. Even only four of you said something, that's okay. Church participation, a community group, serving on a team, being in services, church participation. Here's why it's important. It's really difficult, think about it, to explain to somebody who wasn't there what happened. Listen, again, this is not a guilt-based, like, I, you're here, I get it, you're watching. Okay, I'm just saying, this is why when you can, you should try to be part of what God is doing within a faith family, a church service, a community group, a discussion in the home. This is why you should try to be part of it, because I'm convinced God's going to do something this year, and I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm just telling you, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I said it this way with, with construction. Pastor Joseph, I was like, you're here again. It's on a Saturday. I was like, I got FOMO. I don't want to miss it. I mark the faithfulness of God in our church. I remember when we took stairwells down back over there and we were remodeling things. I don't want to miss it. But let me just say, way more than construction, it's the spiritual things. Don't miss it. If you haven't read, I'm telling you, go back out. Get the devotional. Read it. Don't miss it. Because I'm telling you, God's going to do something and I don't want you to miss it. Elijah called the people together, said we're going to repair the things of God that have been torn down. That's what we're doing this year in prayer. We're rebuilding some things. We're renewing some priorities. We're getting things back in their proper place. 
Look, I look forward to this time physically because at Christmas, people have been bringing cookies to the office and we've been having people over. And, 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 and quite honestly, I don't want to buy all new clothes and they were starting to not fit. And it was just like, I look forward to January because it gives me a time to just take the dessert counter and throw it all away. Because <laughs> I'm like weird. I'm like, oh, it's bad value. If somebody made it, it's stewardship. We need to eat it. You know, like I'm doing my, you know, and so I just, but January gives me that moment to just clear it off. You know, in my spirit, it's, it's a time when, when I look forward to it and I just, I basically cancel any meeting I can. I understand not everybody has that luxury or that benefit. I, I don't say that um, callously or, or flippantly. I treasure the privilege that I have to serve in this capacity, but I look forward to it because there's just something about saying, you know what, it's new and I just, I just don't care about those other things as much anymore. So why do we gather? Why is it important? Why is community? Why is family matter? Why does restoration of the family matter? Because as the family goes, our nation will go. And listen, I talked with our leaders around the world. As this nation goes, so our world will go. We have a responsibility, brothers and sisters, to lead in a way that welcomes the soon return of our King. So that's why we need a spiritual showdown again. Bible says Elijah called everybody together and a lot of the people didn't even say anything. Here we see Ahab and Jezebel making declares against the God of Israel. We have the prophets of Baal and the people were silent. It's almost like they didn't care. They didn't even know they were just silent. And we need people, men and women, who like Elijah will say we're going to do something about it. I don't even know what, but we can't do nothing. We've got to do something because our nation is in need of God to show off with fire. So we've got to pray. We've got to do something. I quote Jurassic Park again, it's not enough to do nothing. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna do all we know how to do. We're gonna fast. We're gonna pray. We're gonna ask God to intervene. We can't bring about the change that our nation needs, but we can create an atmosphere for God to show himself strong, for God to show himself faithful. So we've got to rebuild the broken places. And by the way, it's got to start with us before it ever gets out there. He said, we've got to repair the things of God that have been torn down. So let me just ask in your home, what are the things of God that need to be repaired this year? Maybe you could start with something simple. Do like a high-low with your family. What are some things that need to be repaired? You can pray. Like today, you can repair the altar of family prayer in your house. Teach them how to pray. Lay hands on your kids. Let them lay hands on you. Repair those things. Maybe you need to repair being nice to one another. I think God will move in somebody's house if you be nice to your spouse. I know to make your marriage better. Would he make a joke like that in an altar call? Yes, I would. Praise the Lord. What do you need to repair? So that's what we want to do. I mean, our time is gone. They're going to sing, but but let's take a few moments. Let's make a commitment. The bottom of your notes, I I forgot. It's, it's It's there from the text. Why are we doing this? These are two more things that I'm praying this year. A lot of prayer. 
so that it may go well with you. This week, I've prayed over you, over every name of every person in our church. And I've prayed, let it go well with you. I've prayed for every business, prayed for every family, prayed for every relationship. God, let it go well with them. I've prayed for your body, physically for those needs. I say, God, let it go well with you. I'm praying that this year. Let it go well with your people. Now, again, this is not hope and hype or, or hype and hyperbole, but the truth is not everything's gonna go well. You need to know this up front. Somebody, a church of this size, somebody this year is gonna get laid off. Somebody this year is gonna get sick. Somebody's gonna lose a loved one. But how many people know, even when things don't go right, it can still be well. So that's what I'm praying. That, that's a prayer that I've been praying for you this week that it would go well. But I think it's important for me to mention the why. And it's right there. I, I should probably say it so that you can fill it in. So that you may increase greatly. Now I should clarify, this probably won't surprise you, but I wasn't really praying that this increase would just be a bigger bank account. I was praying that this would be an increase of harvest of souls. I, I was praying for your family members that are far from God. I was praying for your coworkers that don't even know what they're missing. I was praying for your neighbors that feel trapped like the snow coming in, but they just feel trapped. I'm praying that the kingdom of God would increase greatly this year. So here's what I'm asking. If you'll join me in prayer, I just want you to stand to your feet if you're able. They're gonna lead in a moment, but, but let's just commit ourselves this year, not based upon circumstances, not just height, but God, we're committing ourselves in the midst of ups and downs, in the midst of good times and bad. Every man or woman, every boy or girl, every young or old or rich or poor, light or dark, we're saying, God, we commit ourselves to your ways this year. So God, I'm asking for every person as I've prayed this week for them by name, I'm asking that it may go well with them. I'm asking for their business. I'm asking for their family. I'm asking for their physical body. I'm asking for their relationships. Lord, let it go well with them. Let it be astounding to people that are watching. Why? So that there may be increase in the kingdom of God. This year, God, 2023, I'm praying for an immediate harvest of souls, for lost loved ones and coworkers and people that they meet at the street and in the grocery store. God, I'm praying for a great increase, not just for more people to attend church, not just for more people to get help, but God, for people's lives to be changed for all of eternity. So God, I'm asking that you'd use us, your people here at Celebration. God, I'm asking that you use us, your followers here in this nation. Use us in the way that you see fit so God, that it may go well and that we would increase greatly here when we ask it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's declare together. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.